Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. What's up, Abide family? Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're so happy to be able to gather with you guys today. I know today maybe look a little different. I don't think anybody expected to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday or Easter on their couches, but here's what I know. That God promises that when we gather together in his name, he meets us there. So what I believe for us today as a body, as a tribe, is that the Lord has something special for us today. And one of the things we've been challenged with as a body, as a tribe, is to not take anything that the Lord does for us as common. I know every year we celebrate Easter, right? This has actually been an interesting Easter for us as pastors because usually Easter for us is one of the most stressful time of the year. But, but during this season, God has really he's made us slow down, right? Where, where the pace of life has gotten slower and we've really had the chance to take this Bible and just kind of look at the story of Easter, right? On Good Friday, we talked about the, the Passover and the significance of Shabbat and what Christ has for us. And we've really been able to slow down and ask ourselves, what does Easter really mean for us? As I'm explaining Easter to my five-year-old son and my little daughter, what does Easter mean for us? What is the significance of Easter? And so we're saturated in a world right now that has all kinds of opinions. Easter means this. For some people, Easter is an egg hunt. For some people, it's just a day where they gather the family and have a good time. But for us as believers, for you as a believer, Easter is significant. This is a day for us that was a game changer, right? We talked about Jesus meeting with his disciples on Friday and how how he told them he was going to give his life and how he sacrificed everything. And it all led to this day where they walked into an empty tomb and everything was changed, where the Bible says that that we were dead. We we were dead in our sin, but but Christ pays the ultimate sacrifice. And so for us this Easter, Easter, I want to ask us, what does Easter mean to us today? What does it mean for us to live in resurrection life? I'm reminded of John 10.10 where where Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says to them that that there is an enemy that has come to kill. The, the, The purpose of the thief is this, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. But then he says this, I have come to give you life and to give you life in abundance. My translation says this, the purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. So on this Easter Sunday, here's what I know, that the purpose for him coming was to give you rich and to give you satisfying life. I don't know what that looks like for you today, but that makes me excited because that means in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of everything that's going on, I get the chance to slow down and receive life from him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so on this Resurrection Sunday, I want us to take a step back. Take a step back and to, and to ask ourselves, what does Easter look What does Easter look like for me? What does it look like for resurrection life to take place in my life? Because here's the truth. Resurrection, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it was much more than just a historical event. It was something that was made to lead us into a lifestyle, a lifestyle of grace, a lifestyle of hope, a lifestyle of mercy. And so as believers, we are full with this anticipation and this hope because we know, we know because of what was done thousands of years ago on a cross in Calvary that we can receive life and receive it in abundance. And so no matter what happens right now, here's what I want to say to you. If it's not good, then he's not done. I'm going to say it again. If it's not good, then he's not done because we know that he works all things together for those who love him. And that's the story of Easter. 
The story of Easter is I bring whatever I have to the table, right? Any brokenness, any pain, addiction, bondage, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we bring it to Jesus and we lay it at the cross. And at the cross, we find mercy. At the cross, we find grace. At the cross, we find goodness. And that goodness and that grace, it leads us into repentance. That's what the Bible says. That his goodness and his mercy, they lead us into repentance. And so on this Easter Sunday, as we begin this service today, I want us to ask ourselves, what does Easter mean to you? What does it mean for you to partake of him on this Easter Sunday and that his life and his death would become your life and your death? So as we enter into worship, I want to ask you to comment below, what does Easter mean to you? What does Resurrection Sunday mean to you? And we'll get back to the message. Oh, yeah. 
Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, it's your name, cause your name is a light that the shadows can't deny, cause your name cannot be overcome, cause your name So maybe you're here today and you hear all of this talk about Resurrection Sunday and the changes it has in your life, but you're like, man, Gio, I just feel broken. Like, I feel like I've made so many mistakes. I feel like I just can't get back on the right track. And so I understand Jesus is good. I understand maybe even the sacrifice that was made, but I don't know how to reconcile that with my life. I want to share a story with you today that, that really speaks to me, and it's really one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of John. And in, in the book of John, we see this, this ongoing dialogue between Jesus and Peter. And so Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and, and he says to them in, in John 13, he predicts his death. 
I'm going to die. I have to go. And Peter makes this bold statement like, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. He's like, he's like, I will die for you. And he makes this, this bold proclamation like, man, wherever you go, I go. If you die, I die. And Jesus says something to him that, that's really challenging, right? He's like, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And, and in Peter's mind, he's like, I would never, I would never do that, right? Because, because Peter's this... Uh, He's this passionate follower of Jesus who he was always loud and, and passionate. And so you see the story goes on and, and they arrest Jesus and all of these things happen. And, and you find Peter in John 18 around a fire and Jesus has been taken and he's going to go be questioned by Pilate. And all of these things are happening and he finds himself in front of a charcoal fire, right? And you probably know the story, right? A little girl comes and speaks to him and says, weren't you a follower of Jesus? And one time after another, three times, I do not know him. I do not know him. I do not know him. And then the rooster crows, and it's this, this intense scene where, where you can imagine where, where Jesus and Peter, they lock eyes, and there's this shame and this guilt and this, this feeling of failure. And so Jesus goes on, and, and, and he performs the ultimate sacrifice. And you got to imagine Peter feels lost, right? His last interaction with Jesus is, Jesus, I will never, you know, he cuts off the ear of a man protecting Jesus, and all of a sudden he finds himself on the wrong side of the whole story. But what I love about Resurrection Sunday and what I love about Jesus is he's a God of restoration. He makes all things new. And so you, you see in John 18, him around a charcoal fire, and, and he's, he gives into this temptation to, to deny the Lord. But, but in John 21, you see where, where Jesus is about to change everything. The disciples are out fishing in John 21, and they had been fishing all night. You know, they went back to what they used to do. You can imagine all of the feelings that come with that. Come on, we've all made mistakes. Every single one of every single every person in that living room, all of us, we've all made mistakes and we've fallen short. Every single one of us, we've, we, we've said, God, I will never, I will never. And yet we find ourselves in this tension, right? And so Peter finds himself in this place. And all of a sudden, they've been fishing all night. They don't catch anything, but they see, they see someone on the shore, right? They see someone on the shore, and, and the guy's like, hey, man, why don't you cast your nets on the other side? And there's this dialogue, and so they, they cast their nets on the other side, and all of a sudden, they catch all these fish, and Peter comes to the re rec recognition, that's Jesus, like, that's the Lord. And the Bible says he puts on his clothes, he jumps out of the boat, and he, and he goes, only like Peter, right? He jumps, and he comes out of the boat, dripping wet. Now he's, he's moving towards Jesus, and what has Jesus done? Jesus has made a fire on the beach. And what I love it, as I was studying, is this word for fire is only found one other place in the book of John. The only other place you can find the word fire, the same way as it is in John 21, is in John 18. So watch this. The same exact place where Peter had denied the Lord would be the very same place where Peter would be restored. As he walks up to this fire and as he pursues, you can imagine that the smell that is coming from that fire can only bring, bring shame. It can only bring a recollection of all the mistakes he had made, but you see Jesus partake in a meal with him. Come on. He brings him to the table. And at the table, what's about to happen is he begins this dialogue with, with, with Peter, and he says, do you love me? Do you agape? It's the word love is agape. And they, they don't yet have a real comprehension of what agape is. And Peter says, I do love you, but the word he uses is filial, right? It's like a friendly love. And again, the Lord says, do you love me? Lord, I do love you. He says, then feed my sheep. And what you see around this fire, around in John 18, he betrays the Lord. He, he All the shame. In, in John 21, what's happening? A restoration is happening. 
And so here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about, about Resurrection Sunday and everything the Lord has to offer us on this day. It's that the very things that we, we look at and we're ashamed of and we feel bondage to and, and we don't want to bring because we feel guilty is the very same place the Lord will come and he will bring restoration. He will come and what, what, what once brought all of these feelings, and I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I know. Every single one of us, we have something, right? We have some kind of brokenness that we've been carrying. We have some kind of thing that we have been walking through. And what the Lord wants to do on this Resurrection Sunday is he wants to come into that place. He wants to come into that place of brokenness and he wants to meet you there. And like Peter, here's what I know. Like Peter, all he wants from us is to have the attitude is, I'm willing to jump out of my boat and I'm willing to move towards you, Lord. I know I failed. I know I've made mistakes. But in this moment, I'm willing to come towards you and I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to come into this interaction with you. So here's the question I have for you today. What brokenness, come on, I, I, don't want, I want to see it because I want, to, I want to rejoice with you. What brokenness has the Lord brought you from? Come on, what, what moment of, of standing around a fire? Maybe it's not a fire. I know we don't stand around fires all the time anymore. But what moment in your life has the Lord brought you out of, for me, he brought me out of addiction. He brought me out of anger. All of these things that he met me in that place and what was once a place of shame is now a place of victory. And I want to declare that over you on this Resurrection Sunday on your couch, in your living room, that what was once a place of shame will now be a place of victory for you. So, so, so in this next song, I want you to comment below. What has it been that the Lord has delivered you from? What has he brought, what has he brought you from? Where did he meet you? Write it in the link below as we go into worship.
Man, it was so amazing hearing and, and reading all of the things that the Lord has brought you out of. And that leads us into our next question. Who are you now, right? It's easy for a lot of us to live in the past and the things that, that have happened to us or, or that have come to us. But, but I think the greater question is, who are you now? I'm not talking about what you do or what's your profession or, or even how you identify, but, but who are you? What makes you you? I know many of us, many times we carry the weight of, of our struggles and the weight of our shortcomings and, and we begin to identify. We would say, well, I'm just an addict or I'm just this or I'm just bad. But, but I feel the Lord on this Resurrection Sunday, he's challenging us to take on a new identity. And one of the profound things that was done on the cross that day is we, were, we became dead to sin. So I want to read to you Romans 6. It's one of the most powerful scriptures that you can read in all of the Bible. And I want you to read this and I want you to grab a hold of it because this is truth. In Romans 6, we'll start in verse 5. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised up to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So we are no longer slaves to sin for when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Did you hear that? Because I know we've been programmed to believe that we're just going to wrestle all of our lives with these struggles, these generational things. But the proclamation of Resurrection Sunday is, and Easter is, when he died, I died. The moment I said yes to him and the moment I was dunked in baptism, if you haven't been baptized, you should. But the moment I was baptized and I said yes to Jesus, my old person died. The, person, the old Geo died. It doesn't mean that, that I'm never going to have problems again, right? It doesn't mean that, that I'm never going to encounter some kind of struggle or that I'm not going to be tempted. But here's what it does mean. Here's the good news because the gospel is good news. The good news is you don't have to. The Bible says that at one point in your life, you were a slave to sin. You were born into this world and you were born into sin. You didn't have to make a decision. You just, one day you started to make these things. But, but when you met Jesus and when Jesus came into your life, you died to that and you received new life with him. And so, and so that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which was promised to us, he gives us the ability and the power to walk in freedom, to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. And we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to allow Romans 6 to take fruit in our lives, where it says the power of sin is broken. And so Paul's saying this, I want you to consider yourself dead to sin. And I want to ask you today, man, what do you consider yourself? Because what you consider yourself matters. If you continue to believe of yourself as this, as this petty beggar, this, this sinner, and all of these things, listen, we, we were all sinners. We were sinners saved. You're, you are no longer a sinner. I was a sinner, and I have been saved by grace. And now I am a son. And so what you consider yourself matters, and, and here's the change that is about to happen in your life, if you allow God to do it. He will change your mentality from, the, from, this, from this slave and this, this unapproachable God to this friend of God. This is what he wants. He said it to his disciples, you are no longer slaves, but now I call you friend. And so I want to ask you today, man, with all, with all, oh, I just feel it. What do you consider yourself? Because it matters. And I feel like what's going to happen is these scales are going to be removed over off of your eyes where you've been seeing yourself in this light. 
You've been seeing like some of you, you have, you have trouble with what you see in the mirror. And what God is about to do for you is he's about to give you eyes to see what he sees in Jesus. He's going to do it. He's going to give you eyes to see yourself the way he sees you because this is what resurrection does. You have to know that when God looks at you, he does not see the old you. He sees the new you through Christ. So I think it's time for us as his people, right, as sons, as daughters, as heirs. The Bible says this about you, that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, separated, holy, separated unto God. This is who you are. And so what he's doing is he's recalibrating and giving us new identity, man. And he's breaking the bondage of sin. I want you to say that I am free from sin. Sexual sin, addiction, ways, bad ways of thinking, generational curses are broken. And this is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not that you can barely make it. It's that you will thrive. That you will do everything that he has put in your heart. And that sin, it no longer has a hold on you. So in this next time of worship, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to tell us what has God said about you. Who are you? Who are you? What has he said? Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's chosen one. Or maybe this is the first time. Maybe you, you hear this question. You're like, I have no idea. Why don't you just take a moment and allow God to speak to you and allow him to bring words, right? That's how he works. He'll bring a word to you. And why don't you write that down so we can celebrate your new identity in him?
As we end service today, I want to speak to you on one last story from Luke 24 that I feel is significant. As Jesus came out of the grave, he begins to walk with the disciples. And in Luke 24, we find two disciples, and they're on their way to Emmaus. And they're on this road, and the Bible gives this description of them as they're disheartened. Um, they, they, they feel sad, all of these emotions, because they feel hopeless, right? They had just lost Jesus, this man that they had been following. And on the road to Emmaus, it says that Jesus meets them there. And I love this. I love this picture because it speaks to us today that no matter what road we're on, right, the word Emmaus, it means insignificance. So they were walking towards insignificance, and on their way towards insignificance, Jesus meets them there, and he begins to dialogue with them, right? And he begins to speak to them and reveal the scripture. And I just love it because it's so Jesus. He meets us on our road, right? On our path, no matter what we're feeling. I believe even when we feel disheartened and, and we don't feel hopeful, that's when he meets us the most. And he meets these men and then he disappears. And, and, and the men look at, the, at each other and they say, did not our hearts burn within us? It says it here, did not our hearts burn within us as we were walking with this man? Because this is what happens when we meet Jesus. This is what's going to happen to some of you guys this week or in your living rooms. As you come face to face with Jesus and he meets you on your path of life, no matter where you're going, your hearts begin to catch a flame because it's who he is. So the disciples go back to, to, to the other disciples and they begin to share the experience they had with this man as Jesus met them. And in the middle of their description, Jesus shows up. And I love this because Jesus shows up and he says to them, um, this is Luke 24, verse 38. He says, why are you frightened? He asked, listen to this. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And what this speaks to us today and what I want to bless you with today is this. That as you're walking on your path of life, you serve a God that is touchable. He can be reached. He wants to be experienced. He's not this far off God that you can only experience through a pastor. If we can learn anything through this time where we're not able to gather in normal churches, it's, it should be this, that God will meet us in our homes. God will meet us in our families. God will meet us individually as we open up our hearts to him. Doesn't matter what place you find yourself. You may, be, you may be feeling hopeless. You may be feeling discouraged. Life may not be playing out the way you thought it would, but here's what I know. Jesus will meet you on this road and your heart will begin to catch a flame. That passion, maybe you've never had it before. I'm telling you, as you say yes to him and as you open up your heart and he says this, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Come on, I know in this pandemic, I've been talking to our leaders, there's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of anxiety, and I hear Jesus saying, why is your heart filled with that? Look at me. Look at me. I'm not what you thought I was. Look at me. And as we, as we fix our eyes on him, he'll begin to change our hearts, and that hope will, that discouragement will turn into hope. And all of these things will be lifted off of us as we fix our eyes on him, the Jesus with nail-scarred hands and nail-scarred feet. So I want to bless you today as we end service. And I want to speak this over you. I want to pray over you today in your living room. Maybe, maybe you're there and you feel all of this weight. I want to pray over you that that weight would be lifted and that you would be filled anew on this Resurrection Sunday. So why don't you just close your eyes. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I bless every single person with the revelation of resurrection, God. That they would realize, God, that you meet them on their road. That they would realize, God, that you have more for them. That you have come to give them, John 10, 10, life and life in abundance. And Lord, I ask 
anybody who is dealing with any sin, we declare Romans 6 over them, that the power of sin is broken, that they can walk in freedom, that they can walk in light, God, and that they no longer have to be a slave to those things that have been pulling them down. Father, I bless every single home. I ask that, that, that you would meet them, that you would meet them on the road, and that you would become more real to them than anything else. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said amen and amen. Hey, listen, we love you guys. Oh my goodness, we miss you. And we're looking forward to the day we can gather again. I know we say it every week, but it's going to happen, and it's going to be amazing. We, we look forward to catch, keeping up with you. If you have any prayer requests, listen, if you have any prayer requests, if you have any needs, reach out to us. Reach out to us on Facebook. Call the church phone. We want to be there for you, and we just want to be there during this time. So we love you, and we look forward to seeing you again. God bless you.